Thank you, uh, everyone. Am I on? I must say, uh, I'm struggling a bit during that drama. But I shall do my best to answer the question for you this morning. Is it madness? Now, I'm a preacher, so I'm pretty sure you know how I'm going to answer that question. And I don't intend to disappoint you. (laughs) Now, one of the most compelling arguments for the Easter story is it's just too crazy to make up. (laughs) So, imagine the scene. You haven't done your homework. And you're rocking up to school the next morning. And I'm going to propose four possible excuses that you can offer and ask the question, which one of these is the most believable? Okay, so multiple choice. A, is it A, terribly sorry, I left my textbook in the locker? Or is it B, the dog ate it? Let let, let me just ask, quick show of hands, whoever used that excuse? Any of you? <laughs> Phil, good man. Mike, yeah, yeah. I, about a, a month ago, I had to, to go into school and talk to Toby's teacher and say, I'm terribly sorry, the dog has eaten Toby's school report. <laughs> Please can you print me another one. If you want to meet my dog, it's out in the car park right now. Ready for kisses at the end of the service. Uh, Is it C, it blew out the bedroom window during the night, landed in the puddle in the middle of the street, and a track ran over it? Or how about this one? D, it was lying on the kitchen table. My dad picked it up with a newspaper and took it to work in his briefcase. So when I was at university, after a few weeks, we had our first test. I studied maths. So I was looking forward to this. As you can imagine, who doesn't have a good math test? Show of hands. Anyway, so I sat the test uh, in the afternoon, and I got home, and I got back to my desk, and I opened up my ring binder, and there was the paper in the middle of my file. Goodness. I'd absentmindedly taken it home. Who does that? Went in first thing the next morning, and unfortunately, the lecturer was quickly convinced that nobody would be that stupid on purpose. <laughs> and once he looked at the quality of my answers, was surely in no doubt that I hadn't gone home, opened my course book, and changed everything. But I tell you what, that was a pretty sleepless night for an 18-year-old nervous fresher. One of the most compelling arguments for, an Easter sto- for the Easter story is, is it's just too crazy to make up. Why would God himself leave the glory of heaven to come to earth only to die a miserable and gruesome, lonely death? Why? Is it madness? Number two, if Jesus was that amazing... Why would they kill him? Question number three. If Jesus was that powerful, why didn't he save himself? Kind of the premise of Jesus' drama, I think. 
Number four, if they wanted a strong argument for finding the tomb empty, they wouldn't have chosen women as the first eyewitnesses. Because in that culture, they had zero legal credibility. Is it madness? And number five, if Jesus hadn't been risen from the dead, why would all 12 of the apostles be prepared to be martyred for a religion based entirely upon the validity of those facts? Just pause for a second. Now, what if I'd been God? I don't think I'd have done it like that at all. For a start, given the, sta- the scale of the problem to be fixed, I think, you know, I'd have stayed in the comfort of heaven with my feet up. I think for me, I'd have chosen the, the thunder and lightning approach. You know what I mean? Zap them. Be rid of them all. Tap your neighbour for a second and say, really glad the eternal destiny of the human race hasn't been left in my hands. <laughs> now, if I'd, if I'd been in heaven and I'd been part of the whole God and Jesus, you know, how are we going to handle this discussion? I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have included the whole flogging part. You know, and in my story, in my story, Pilate would have found the empty tomb and I'd have been standing just behind that big stone ready to go, da <laughs> So let's unpick the madness just, just in a few minutes here. Number one, why would God himself leave the glory of heaven to come to earth only to die a miserable and gruesome death? The answer very simply is his love. John 3, 16, 17, you know it well, said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, reading the news, sometimes wonder if mankind is worth saving. If you turned on the news this morning, you've read horrific stories of church services in Sri Lanka and bombs and hotels. Sometimes wonder if mankind, if I'd been God, if mankind really worth saving. Fortunately, God decided that we were. And so he sent a saviour, his own dear and precious son, not to condemn us, though quite frankly we deserve it, but to save us. Aren't you glad about that? Number two, if Jesus was that amazing, why would they kill him? I think that's a good question. I'll answer it like this. You know, the Jewish religious leaders were, first of all, jealous of all the attention Jesus was getting. Secondly, they were worried that he was going to upset their cushy little number. And thirdly, they were hugely frustrated that he kept correcting their hypocritical behaviour. Simply put, Jesus was making them look bad. Here's the crux. 
sinful man needed a saviour. This is the core of gospel. That we have all sinned. That everyone needs forgiveness. And we just cannot fix that ourselves. And the irony, as uh, Mary told us earlier, was that the religious Jews rejected the very Messiah they were supposed to be looking for. Do you know what that's called? Madness. Madness. Number three, if Jesus was that powerful, why didn't he save himself? Matthew 27, 41. The chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. On the surface, it seems like quite a good question. Surely it's madness not to save yourself if you have the ability to do so. But the fact is two things. Number one, Jesus chose to die. And number two, actually Jesus had to die. Even the disciples of that day found this very, very confusing. Look at those two briefly. Number one, he chose to die. John 10, 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Crucial line. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. You know, it may have looked like madness to them, but but for God, this was always the plan. That's why in Revelation 13, verse 8, Jesus is described as the, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And if you read through the Old Testament as I am, At the moment, all the Old Testament law and ceremony and prophecy and sacrifice all points to Jesus' death. An extraordinary, actually, in specific detail. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. These words were in 800 years before Easter. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that leads on to number two. Actually, Jesus had to die. And in that statement, that there's, there's rich and brilliant and fascinating and compelling theology. We don't have time for that today. But in summary, the price for our sin had to be paid. Jesus was the only one in history qualified to do it. It had to be a, a spotless, sinless sacrifice. And so Jesus took our sin on his shoulders in what we call divine exchange. And he placed 
a robe of righteousness on ours. Not only that, Satan, the devil, the enemy had to be defeated. And you know what? In killing Jesus, he was signing his own death warrant. It was going quite okay for him until Jesus rose from the grave. Because you know what? Death could not hold him down. And one day scripture tells us that very enemy will be thrown into the lake of fire. You know, resurrection day is is victory day for us. But it was a grim day for the enemy. Colossians 2 verse 13. You were dead, talking about us, you were dead because of your sins. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Number four, if they wanted a, a strong argument for finding the tomb empty, they wouldn't have chosen women as the first witnesses because they had zero legal credibility. So why then did they choose women to be the first eyewitnesses? The answer is because that's what happened. This story is not embellished. It's not being touched up or photoshopped to make it more believable or acceptable or sensational. But this is an actual, factual account of a historical event as the first hand eyewitnesses recorded it. And number five, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, why would all the martyrs be so willing, so why would all the apostles be so willing to be martyred? And again, the answer is why? It's because he, he did arise from the dead. Amen. And they saw him alive after the event. Do you know what? To willingly die in defence of something that you know to be a lie has a name. You know what that name is? Madness. Thank you, you got it. To willingly die in defence of something you know to be a lie would be madness. I, I can just about buy one confused person doing that. But all 12? I mean, the, the history records that 11 of the 12 were martyred, and the twelfth died in exile. You know, they were clearly utterly convinced that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said he did, that he was the Son of God. He was the promised Messiah. He was risen from the dead, and he is Lord of all. And let's face it, they were actually there. John 11.25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. So here's the real madness, folks. The real madness. If Jesus really came, if Jesus really died on the cross in our place to pay our punishment and to forgive our sins, if Jesus really rose from the grave to conquer sin and to defeat the enemy and to set us gloriously free, 
If Jesus really came to offer us salvation, and a salvation based entirely on his grace rather than our works, if Jesus really came to provide us with a safe and secure eternal future, if he really loves us so much that he would do all of that freely and willingly, why would we reject it? Surely that's the madness. I mean, the guy on the tightrope between the two balloons, also madness. But surely that's the madness. I mean, in this scenario, who is the crazy one? Now, it comes down to whether or not we want to receive or reject that grace. John 1, verses 10 through 12. He came into the very world he created, Jesus, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Do you know, we all have the opportunity to believe and accept him. He gives us the invitation to become children of God. And in doing so, we become born again. He gives us a fresh start. We, we go from dead to alive. We go from lost to found. We go from condemned to forgiven from separated from God to his dearly loved child. This is the Easter message. Our question to you this morning is, for you to answer for yourselves, is it madness? You might choose to conclude that it is. But I'd argue that the real madness is rejecting God's love and God's grace.